Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Weekender edition of the Monkery Podcast. We're going early today. I've got a cup of coffee in my hand. You're going to slurp it? No? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do the, the NBR. ASMR. Oh, nice. I did it. I did it as a sarcastic thing. Anyway, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the Weekender edition, everybody. Uh, for our patrons, thank you for subscribing. I'm here with Nick Hausman, as always. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, uh, but we got to start. The Supreme Court has an opening. Uh, Liberal Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his intention to retire, uh, and there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that political pundits and journalists and personalities love talking about more than an opening on the Supreme Court. So get you know, strap on your Supreme Court helmets. Strap into your Supreme Court safety chambers. Things are about to get live. Uh, Nick, what are your initial readings on this thing? Well, here's what's interesting, because the Republicans tend to use this as a big lightning rod to get out the yep. vote, get people really motivated. I don't think that this does anything for the Democrats in terms of the, the midterms or, or even the presidential election in 2024, does it? Well, I, I'll tell you this, that there's no end to the articles this morning that are saying that it's a game changer. It's going to change absolutely everything. And, oh, this is it's so we were talking before and I used a term and I want to define it for the audience very quickly. Beltway brain and beltway brain is the idea that everybody within Washington, D.C., within the beltway becomes totally and irreparably obsessed with politics in a way that is irrational plus hyper rational they get they get brain worms nick right. they, yeah. they and it's stories and who's up and gossip and palace intrigue and it has nothing to do by the way with your life or my life or the life of our lives of our listeners and the people that they love they get so obsessed with the ups and the downs but today that everybody is just, this is a game changer. Everything now changes. And they love this thing. It's like a brick in a bathtub. I don't, I don't, it depends on how this thing works out, whether or not it affects the midterms at all. But you'll notice we're talking about the Supreme Court of the United States of America. It's supposed to be the, the, the arbiter of our laws. And we're talking about it like it's a football game. It's, it's absolute <laughs> madness. I mean, unless they can count, can they get like three Justices in for one is that going to happen? Because that would actually have some interest in there. Can I can I blow your mind for a second? Yeah, this whole thing is just fucking make believe. You can do whatever you want. You could you could you could decide to add eight justices, and if people go along with you, you've got let's add fifty. Yeah, let's let's make a let's make a blue ribbon committee that says that we need a hundred and fifty just. Or I'm sorry, you got You got to make the the decisions work. A hundred and fifty one justices. It's a lot of robes. Let's do it. It's all make-believe. The only reason that they have any legitimacy whatsoever is like Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. Like, we have to believe in it. Well, let's not forget that the framers of the Constitution had three equal branches of government, and this being one of them, right? Although, you you confirm this for me. For a long time, in the beginning of the country, they really weren't co-equal no. branches, right? No! The Supreme Court didn't have the power to judge the constitutionality of laws. This started because of a rivalry between Thomas Jefferson and his cousin. And, and, and people were terrified that Thomas Jefferson was going to come in and be like a radical president and change literally everything. I know this is shocking. Oh, by the way, they believe that he was part of the Illuminati, part of a Jewish conspiracy to run things. 
funny how things continue to cycle through. And then the Supreme Court, again, like Tinkerbell, asking the audience to believe in her. And do they clap? Do they snap? Do they ring bells? What do they do? I, I don't know. Maybe they just um, sit in their bed and read books uh, before they fall asleep. <laughs> no, there's. It, 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 <laughs> if you're at a, a play of Peter Pan, yeah. Tinkerbell asks the audience to do something to show that they believe in her. Yeah. And that powers her up. Blink? Right. I don't know. I, I can remember the, the, the commercials for like Sandy Duncan, but um, I don't remember. I don't. Maybe I never went. I, I was I, I was uh, deprived. I have to be honest with you as a very anxious little kid. Every time I saw a production of Peter Pan, I was just terrified people were going to like go flying. Oh, wow. You know, that, 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 that they were just going to crash like uh, that Spider-Man musical into the dark yeah. for a while. Well, but no, it, it, if you were just to show you an example, like you, at eight years old, you might be going to see Tinkerbell. My parents were taking me to go to see like Evita. So that's what I was doing, you know. I, see, I, I, didn't I, see I mean, that it's stuff. all about belief, is what it is. But you know, the Supreme Court gave itself its powers, and basically, there have been times throughout our history where people are like, "Hey, Supreme Court, go pound sand! Like, what are you going to do? You going to send over your little Supreme Court justices to make me, you know, not suspend habeas corpus?" Mm-hmm. You know. So in this case, you can add however many you want. They're not going to because all these people are people are sticklers for. I don't know, institutional something or another, whatever gets them to sleep at night. But yeah, it's just going to be adding one more. The conservatives are still going to control the court because a big quick reminder, they stole it. But yeah, you could add eight, nine, ten, however many justices you want. Add them. Yeah. You know, so the thing is, because it doesn't change the six to three uh, ultra conservative uh, control of this. Uh, by the way, Nah, I don't even know if I'm mad. Well, okay, we have to talk about what who they're pitching to, to actually, you know, and whether or not Biden is going to maintain his promise in the campaign. I, I don't know. Whenever we talk about SCOTUS, I just want to, you know, we have what we have. We have fuck um, Henry Kissinger. Yep. We had fuck, fuck Nancy Pelosi. Like, that was a good one last week. That felt good. I, I just want to say fuck Clarence Thomas. We can move on. I just want to say it. Can we just say that? Well, by the way, going back to what we said about how the Supreme Court needs us all to believe in it, this is why John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett, every time they give a speech now, they're like, it hurts us so much that people think we're not legitimate like, and, and that we're not taking our job seriously. It's like, no, listen, we watched you steal the court for ideological and political and financial purposes. In this case, Clarence Thomas has just refuses to, to not serve on cases that he has personal interest in whatsoever. He has completely just destroyed any credibility that the court even had remaining. And absolutely, he, he should be impeached. There's, there's every evidence that Kavanaugh should be impeached as well. I mean, it's 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 yeah. an absolute ridiculous thing, well, and we're going to get in. Yeah, and then and fuck Ginny Thomas too. We got to. Oh yeah. Get oh my God, the but, amount of money. But by the way, her presence alone makes Clarence Thomas need to recuse on like every case they're going to hear. That's the other problem. Certainly, anything that happens on January sixth, he needs to recuse, and he won't. You know that they won't. No. Do you no. believe? By the way, so here's another another admission here, another college admission. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, admission from college. I am in the same. I was in the same fraternity as Neil Gorsuch. I am mortified. And I was already mortified about being in a fraternity for like the couple of years I was. It just like didn't. I wanted to erase it. But I just discovered, you know, last week that he is in the same fraternity. I can give him the shake. Uh, 
You know. Oh, you guys have a you have a you you know how you know what would really I tell everybody what the shake is just to fuck. It. If you if you wanted to show Neil Gorsuch, if you really wanted to stick it to him, you would reveal to the Muckrake audience the shake. Yeah, I mean, I should I? I'll do it. I don't care. No, don't do no. Right. Anyway. You, we are about loyalty on this show. We're not. It's ridiculous. We're not gonna. Oh well, by by your description, the the process we went through to become a brother, you know, with the ceremony is as legitimate as the Supreme the Court. Supreme Court. <laughs> so no, it just made itself up. You're you're a hundred percent right. It do, just it, made itself up. Do you believe that Gorsuch refused to put a mask on next to Sotomayor? You know, I have. I yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, right. If all the sources that have come out, and by the way, all of that. First of all, that's a dick move. Dick yeah. move is is th that he wouldn't possibly mask up. But also, that's why so many of these institutions exist the way they do. So us mortals standing here looking up at Mount Olympus will be like, can you believe that Zeus wouldn't wear a mask? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just these passion plays that are playing out over and over and over again that give the veneer of respectability. The Supreme Court, again, created its own power. It was created by a bunch of people who wanted to make sure that white aristocratic slaveholding men controlled all of society and basically was stocked with people in the Senate and the Supreme Court, which it's weird that the, the Senate is the one that, uh, you know, confirms them, which we're going to have to talk about in a little bit later. It's almost like the elites were trying to keep the elites in power and to continue their power. All of this stuff was a veneer. It, it was supposed to create this religious-like mythology that we trusted in. And it's just, it's so obviously corrupt. And it's so obviously, not just antiquated, but purposefully antiquated. You know what I mean? Like, it's so outside the realm of anything reasonable. But here's the thing. I think it took uh, getting to a 6-3 majority for the, for the conservatives yes. to really hit home I yes. think for the longest time either we were willing to sort of just ignore it or or sort of have faith in this in the institution because it was five four or six three the other way which by the way when you're five four or six three in the progressive side you are simply just representing what the country would want yeah. anyway right so it's not as controversial it doesn't feel like it's corrupt but you know if ever you thought and it's weird because obviously the people on the right would say well you know Sotomayor is just as much of a pundit for the left as as uh, Clarence Thomas is maybe but I gotta tell you when you read her opinions especially with now that she's a minority opinion um, they're so well thought out and they're so well written and there's in the and the and what the case they make about why we shouldn't be going with the majority in the Supreme Court it, it's just it's and it's and the opposite is is ridiculous. Like you know, when you hear a, a decision when they get rid of uh, the voting rights protection in certain states, it's because well we don't need them anymore. Like it's it's not even like thought out at all what their rationale was. And by the way, let's not forget John Roberts was the chief uh, in that in 2010 when they said you know what Alabama they're okay they figured it out they don't need yeah, to have any more oversight anymore. Um, he was well he's right there with them and that's the most insidious part of all this is that when you have that sort of lack of self awareness and the racist aspect of our country, then it almost doesn't matter if you're happy that he'll vote for, you know, imminent domain or whatever other issues you might have, or even abortion or uh, health care, because it's insidious and deep rooted uh, uh, problem that we have is not getting fixed. So there's this thing in psychology, uh, it's called intermittent rewards. And so basically, if you have like a rat in a cage, right, mm -hmm. and you give it like a pellet dispenser, 
if it presses the dispenser and it gives itself a pellet all the time, like that, that's not, that's effective, but it's not that effective. If every now and then you give it a pellet when it presses the lever, it becomes addicted to constantly pressing the lever and expecting things to happen. The Supreme Court is like this. We are supposed to view it. So like, for instance, when has the Supreme Court actually reflected the will of the people? Occasionally, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it struck down segregation. Thank God. By the way, it upheld segregation first, mm -hmm. right? Later on, it, it, it gives gay couples the right, the right to marry. Well, guess what? That's not technically the right of the Supreme Court to give someone a right, right? It, mm -hmm. it technically should have been there anyway. That and these um, these uh, disagreements, the, these opinions that are written in the minority. So like Ruth, Gator ben, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, beautiful beautiful disagreements right like like what the court should have done you have sotomayor who's writing these beautiful disagreements over what the court should have done those are messages to us which are, are we're allowed to have so we're like guess what there are people of conscience on this court meanwhile what are they doing they're rolling back progress time and time again it's supposed to give us the hope that if we play our cards right if we play this chess game the right way, right, eventually, like, it's going to find its way to justice and maybe some sort of a utopic situation. They're not going to let that happen. Like, Joe Manchin, I, I so I want to get to these, these, these it, Nick, it's almost like when the Pope dies or resigns, like the Nazi Pope did, it's it's like when, when they go away, do you know that like crazed media madness where they're waiting outside the Vatican for the right smoke to come yeah, up. Right. Yeah. I know and there's like, there's like, Oh no, it's black smoke today. <laughs> they didn't choose a Pope. And then when the white smoke comes up, it's like, Oh my God, they treat the Supreme court rhetorically. The, the place that it holds in society, they treat it like a priest class. Right. We're supposed to believe that somehow or another, these are the people who can like really get in touch with the spirit of the law. Meanwhile, look at what they're doing with this. Joe Manchin, who I'll, I'll believe that he votes for a nominee when he votes for a nominee. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's already yeah. voted for the, the leading candidate right now for, at, for you know, lower. That's court. right. And, and by the way, we'll get to the actual candidates and what it all means. But Joe Manchin has said at this point, he, he said it's not going to change the makeup of the court. This is why he's okay with a more liberal right. nominee. Yeah. Oh, wait, I thought this was supposed to be a sacred institution. I thought that this was supposed to be like the end all be all, the, the you know, the, the backstop of, of, of democracy and our liberal institutions. Um, it's not too hard to get more liberal than me. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. It would not bother me having a person who is sound in their thought and who is sound in their disbursement of justice. As far as their philosophical beliefs, that would not prohibit me from supporting somebody. But you'll notice what he says first. It won't change the makeup of the court. That's right. what he cares about. It's holding on to power. It's just a tool in all of this stuff. It's not this sacred priest class. I agree. Uh, Manchin probably should sit this one out. <laughs> Mansion should probably just shut yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, listen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Chris Kirsten. Like, you know, oh, now you're going to be part of the group, and like, yeah, I had no problem voting for this. I mean, heck, they'll probably get a few Republicans to vote too for the same very reason, right? Because uh, it's not really going to matter. We still have an impervious six-three uh, control over this right now. Only when it, you know, next couple are going to have a thing. Now, the, the the scary thing about why the Republicans might want to try and figure out a way of 
blocking this or whatever. So 6-3 is bad, but if you get to like 7-2, you're talking about generation upon generation of shifting the entire court. And that's, I think, you know, you'd almost say, okay, Republicans, enough. You've won enough. You've gotten enough of these things to control. And that, by the way, that was the thing about McConnell that was so genius was that he realized we don't even need a majority to control uh, the, the government or do laws. We can just get a hold of the Supreme Court by, by yep. bullshit and then they can just un undo whatever the Democrats want to do eventually because they're under our thumb. And, and let's not mistake that fact. These people are under the thumb of the Republicans. Now, again, Sotomayor and et al. might also be under the thumb of Democrats, but the Democrats at least represent generally a lot more of the country. Well, and, and here's the thing, and I got to tell you, it's, and I'm, I'm sure our audience feels this way too, and maybe they've seen it. Yesterday, it was kind of amazing like there's this there's this anti McConnell brain that has seen what he does, you know what I mean? Like they, it, how long have we dealt with McConnell at this point? How much have we seen? Like how dastardly, right? And how this person has no shame and and it has no concern whatsoever of being a hypocrite and and of doing these dirty tricks. And here here's the thing: the Democrats will probably go ahead and, and pass this person. There's a couple things we need to talk about in terms of, of who are the leading contenders and some wrenches that could be thrown into this. Not to mention that Joe Manchin and, and Cinema have incredible corporate sponsorship that is uh, maybe gonna get in the way of one of these things. But everyone's just like, ah, McConnell, let this one go. It's like, do you not understand who Mitch McConnell is? Do you not understand how he works? And you know, go, going into the sports world, um, if you have a team that's winning by a lot going into the fourth quarter, like, yeah, maybe you coast a little bit, but that's not the smart way to play. You just, you step on the neck and you end it. Why wouldn't Mitch McConnell steal another one? Why not? It's, there's no consequences for it. Oh, and you're like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to hold this out until 2025. Maybe. Maybe they will. Or maybe they'll figure out a way to uh, get somebody else and, and push Joe Biden to push like a real moderate. Like, that's a possibility. Those things are in play. We've seen what he does. We know who he is. Stop playing these political games thinking that maybe this one he's not going to, to, to try and mess around with. Yeah, I, I feel like that I see he said he, he you know, because the only way what they could do is get it, delay it until the midterms. Yep. I got to I got to I got to break it to you, Jared. Um, the Republicans are going to take control of the Senate. Probably. And it might be like they might have like 54. If you can't. And by the way, this is something we keep saying. If you as Joe Biden and you as the Democratic Party can't offer an alternative story about what has happened over the past year, you're done. You're mm -hmm. cooked. Yeah. You just keep saying, I don't know, we just need more of us. <laughs> like, that doesn't work. I mean, you can have we, can to talk about what's going let's on. Let's dive into your backyard for a minute because that was on my mind earlier before we started recording about, uh, you know, Raphael Warnock right now is polling low behind Herschel Walker. And yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like yeah. not even McConnell wanted Herschel Walker because he's such a bad candidate. So and, and, all, and the other thing I think is interesting is that, you know, the Georgians have, have our terrible, you know, poll rating of Biden. Right. Biden's getting hit on a, a couple different fronts on the pandemic and on the economy, which is so ridiculous. Right. Because the economy, by all the measures that the Republicans would use, is doing as well as it ever has since Reagan. Yeah, but none of this has anything to do with reality. Right. 
So my take on the Georgian stuff is they're not like sheepish to have been thrust into the national spotlight about, oh, my God, everyone's accusing Georgia of like, you know, stealing election and whatever. I feel really I'm embarrassed that we have to No, they're angry, right? They're angry that they somehow are became a blue state. That's what it feels like to me. Certainly the white voters in the you know the suburban Georgia, uh, they're angry about it. And nothing that Biden would do and nothing that the economy does positively would have any effect on that. And that's why the Democrats, though, give him not great marks either. So it's uh, and that probably reflects the entire country at this point. And um, anyway, I, I, I digress. Rough. Well, you know, you say that there's not a lot to do, but I, I'm, I'm we're going to bring in an expert here real fast. And I want to. Basically, what I want to do is I want to spotlight. You know, it's it's like one of those things, right, where it's like you find the perfect specimen. You know what I mean? Okay. Out and about in the world, you're searching for the ideal candidate to express your thesis or your ideology or, 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 or all of this, right? I found it. And I want to give a quick introduction to this, uh, this specimen. This specimen's name is Bill Crystal. And Bill Crystal is a longtime Republican. Um, you, you're listening to this podcast, so you're not hearing me with air quotes saying intellectual. Bill Crystal, who started the Weekly Standard and is one of the main neoconservatives, and also, by the way, a never Trumper, a real. Good, good job, Bill Crystal. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention that Bill Crystal is one of the reasons that uh, healthcare just absolutely ate shit in the 1990s with Clinton. Like, he basically said, this would be a political win. We have to submarine it at all costs, which is why your family doesn't have better health care at this point. So thanks, Bill Crystal. But you know what? He was never Trumper, so he's a hero, right, Nick? This is Beltway Brain at its best. This is two tweets, and, and I, I just want I, I to give it to everyone. And I just want to let it soak for a second about what Beltway Brain is and what it's like to have brain worms like this. And a reminder that Bill Crystal uh, is one of the reasons that we got Donald Trump. He's one of the reasons that the Republican Party is the way that it is. He wasn't great at prognosticating all that, was he, Nick? Uh, Billy? No. No. No, he was not. One. Straightforward from here. June 30th. Court overturns Roe. July 1st. Breyer resigns, says court, quote unquote, needs aggressive progressive justices. July 4th. I love it that he says July 4th because it's July 4th. Biden picks Harris for the oh. court. Harris resigns as vice president. July 5th. Biden picks Romney as vice president, says national unity needed for the world crisis. Let's finish those out before we comment on exactly what's happening here. Fall. Progressives are energized by the bitter Senate fight to confirm Harris and fierce state legislative battles over choice. Centrists are reassured by the competent Biden-Romney national unity government. November 8th. <laughs> Democrats have best midterm for party in power since 1934. Fuck. You know what? <laughs> Come on. I don't know. I'm like, you know, first of all, Kamala getting out of there, I'm, I'm not opposed to. It's fine. Wait, but wait, wait, wait. You're letting Beltway brain get in your brain. I know, but like... I don't know. Oh it's like I thought, the, I thought I thought the Supreme Court was a sacred institution. <laughs> it I may, it used to be, maybe. Class. I thought this was a priest class where, like, what? Okay, she was a a, a public prosecutor, right? Yeah. Like, well, hey, like, there, you don't need to be a judge to be on the Supreme Court. I'm okay, so now all of a sudden, I, dude, if you get on social media, it's like 
you know who Biden should nominate for the Supreme Court? Joe Biden. You know who Joe Biden <laughs> right. should nominate? Michelle Obama. You know who he should nominate? Neil Young. It never ends. It's beltway brain. It's this strategizing. This is about supposedly the future of the country and our rights, right? Okay, so we move Harris out of the VP. I understand why people think that that's a good strategy. That's fine. All of a sudden, you're bringing in Mitt Romney as vice president on a unity ticket, which Mitt Romney, uh, yeah, he has stands of principle and conscience, but he's still not a good politician, and he has sold people out over and over again. Real fast, I want to point out, what did Bill Kristol suggest here? Why would a never-Trumper who has left the Republican Party advocate for a Republican to become the vice president within a Democratic administration? Because he lost his party, he's trying to take over the Democratic Party, which is what all the never-Trumpers are doing, which is what the Lincoln Project people are trying to do. They lost their boat. They didn't just lose it. They torched their boat. They did that. They led to Trump. Rick Wilson led to Trump. Crystal led to Trump. Now they're trying to take over your boat and tell you what you should do with your boat. And you've been listening to a free preview of our Patreon-exclusive Weekender show. If you want to get in on all the fun and get that bonus episode every week, not to mention exclusive content, uh, live hangouts, question and answer sessions. We're even going to do some of these live so you can come and watch how the sausage is made. All you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash podcast. On top of that, you get to hang out with the Muckrake community, which are a really good group of people. So you should do that. That is patreon.com slash podcast. We'll see everybody next week.